Well, hey, everybody, welcome to episode 212 of the Ankeny Fanatic Weekly Podcast. As always, it's brought to you by our good friends at Coldwell Banker Mid-America. Coldwell Banker is rooted in the legacy of our founder, renowned businessman and philanthropist, Marvin Pomeranz. We continue to tell his story through our love of people, homes, and the communities we serve. Our integrity guides are focused to empower people to make the best real estate decisions possible. We pair local ownership and knowledge with the power of an international brand and the most advanced technology to elevate the customer experience and expectations. Our network of resources allows us to be the number one Coldwell Banker franchise affiliate in Iowa, guiding you home for over 30 years. All right, well, I'm going to have a special guest on at the end of the podcast, but right now I'm going to recap the girls' wrestling season with my first two guests. And my first guest is the head coach of the Ankeny girls' wrestling team. He guided the squad to a 12-2 dual meet record in its inaugural season, including a 5-0 mark to win the conference dual meet title. Ankeny also went on to win the conference tournament crown before placing 40th in the state tournament last week at Extreme Arena in Coralville. He is Dustin Rowland. Coach, thanks for joining me. How are you doing? Hey, Dan. How are you? Thanks for having us. Very uh, happy to be here. Appreciate hey, it. Hey, you bet. We've had about a week now to digest everything that happened uh, this season. You know, for a first-year program, you have to be really happy with everything uh, that the girls were able to accomplish. Yeah, probably doing this a week later was best. Good thing we didn't do it on uh, Saturday morning or Saturday afternoon. I was uh, sulking in my own uh, whatever you would say at that point. Uh, yeah. But uh, as you get further away, you get a little more appreciative of the whole snapshot of the entire season and not just, I guess, the snapshot of the state tournament. So, um, you know, while we didn't fare finish where we wanted to finish or, or maybe where I expected us or, excuse me, I shouldn't say our our coaching staff expected us to finish or wanted to finish. Um, there's no arguing the success that we had throughout the season and the fun that we had and, you know, the history that we made. So that stuff will never be able to be taken from us regardless of what happens in the future. So we're very proud of that. Well, I know when you guys started practice back in the fall, you know, there's only a handful of girls that, that had ever uh, had wrestled before. So what kind of expectations did you have coming in? Well, I mean, honestly, like, our expectations were not very high, right? Like, um, you know, back I can remember having a meeting with, with Adam McDonald and uh, Nate Lingren and, you know, the assistant ADs back in uh, um, June and just thinking, you know, we had already had this conversation about scrambles and, you know, we might have, between the two schools, there was like nine girls, seven, I think seven total girls that wrestled at the state tournament last year. Mm -hmm. And so we were like, gosh, we might have like 10, 15 girls. You know, our goal for this year is just to try to find numbers. That was our goal coming in, our lone goal, basically. Um, and we certainly uh, underestimated what these young ladies out here in Ankeny were uh, able to do in that one short season. So, um, you know, back to the original question, like, yeah, we, we exceeded every expectation that we had coming in. Um, maybe I'm part to blame for that. Maybe my expectations were a little bit too low and I'll, we'll definitely adjust those in the future. But, you know, like I said, I mean, being a week out, like, and just digesting dual meet champions, conference champions, 12 state, excuse me, 12 straight dual meet wins after, you know, wrestling two of the top teams in the state first night out and losing two duels. Um, we kind of mentioned this when we talked earlier, like, if our girls can't take a step back and look at the fact that we lost the Dallas Center Grinds by 25 points the first duel of the season, and we end up coming back in the regional tournament and, and beating them by 35 points, like the progress that we made and the improvements that we made throughout the year, like I don't know what it would take to get them to buy into that process, right? So, you know, that was very good, and we'll kind of talk about that as we move forward and have our banquet and stuff. So, 
Yeah. Well, yeah, the other team that you lost to on that opening night uh, was Waverly Shell Rock, which would go on to win the state championship. Uh, you lost to them 60-24. to 24. You know, I, I'm sure facing them right off the bat, that was kind of an eye-opener for your girls, wasn't it? Yeah. I mean, I'm just, just looking back at, like, for example, like this one sitting across the table for me. I mean, the season that she had, um, and to, to look back at the video from those matches, like, completely clueless. No idea what she was doing. No idea how to ride on top, like manage body weight. And by the end of the season, she's, I mean, just bought into everything and, and wrestling well in all positions. And just, again, obviously, when you come in with nothing, you know, it's not difficult to teach something, right? Um, so the key is, while, yes, we did that and we're proud of that, we came a long way this year, you know, at the end of the day, Raccoon River is right behind us. Southeast Polk's right behind us. Valley's right behind us. So what's going to be important is what we're willing to do when nobody's watching, when nobody's recording, when nobody's doing, um, you know, paying attention to us in the off season to be able to keep that edge on those conference teams. And, and, and in reality, as we sailed at the state tournament, to close the gap between us and some of the, you know, teams throughout the state that obviously have some, you know, I mentioned at one point in time earlier in the season, we just don't, this maybe isn't the right term to use for young ladies, so I don't mean it disrespectfully, but we just, we don't have the horses mm -hmm. that some people have. You know, we have a bunch of great little working fillies, but not the big horses that are going to come in and, you know, score some major points, winning state titles, being in the state championship match at the state tournament that we can supplement with some more younger, inexperienced girls. That's pretty much what we had with the exception of, you know, a few seniors, Avery Graham, uh, junior Dana Cleveland, obviously had a great tournament for us. So, um, you know, uh, we, we are, we did make a big, a big jump and we did some great things and we went from, you know, again, wrestling Waverly and Dallas Center Grimes making that improvement. But, you know, as a coach, like it's time to start working on next year, right? Sure. We've got to keep that edge. Like now, as far as the CIML goes, we're the team everybody wants to be. And when you're the team that everybody wants to be, you got to work harder than everybody else to stay at the top. Well, yeah, your team, you know, went on. You never lost another dual meet the rest of the way. Uh, you pretty much dominated most of the teams in your conference, and you went on to win, uh, you know, the conference title, like I mentioned. Uh, you, you sealed the conference title with a 42-34 to 34 win over Southeast Polk. And like I said, you know, those teams are going to be gunning for you. But, but what, do you, what do you think was the key to your team's success to, to, to make that jump? Well, I think numbers for one. I mean, you know, you look at Valley. They, I think, in our duel for maybe four forfeits. Obviously, Johnston really struggled to – to field a team, um, Southeast Polk even had, didn't have a heavyweight, didn't have a 100-pounder. Um, we were able to supplement some of those positions all year with kind of moving girls around. For example, this one, most of those uh, dual meets bumped up to 115 instead of 110. And so we get, you know, Morgan Rand at 105, Ella Hron up to 110, Nora Bacchus to 115, at least up to 120. I mean, just being able to play with a lineup and have some depth was very important for us. Um, you know, honestly, I couldn't talk any further when you're talking about a conference championship and the dual team. You know, we went into that Southeast Polk duel that last night. Um, you know, Coach Taryn and I, on paper, both of us had us losing that duel. Mm -hmm. And uh, we were down to our four-string 125-pounder in Jaden Stites um, through injuries. And, uh, you know, that was kind of a toss-up match for us. We thought, man, if she's really good for the first 90 seconds, um, if we could – you know, figure out something there and, and pull out a win, we could win this duel. And she came out with a huge fall um, and pinned their varsity girl. And uh, 
that was the difference in the duel. We won by eight, and that's a 12-point swing. You sense you on paper. You're down to your number four person. I mean, you got to write down a negative six there no matter how you right, look right. at it. And then we got six, so there's the difference in the duel. And obviously 12 other girls wrestled that night that need to be credited too. But, you know, when you look at the swing moment or the swing match or the big match that kind of led to our conference championship, I mean, that was a big night, and she really rose to the occasion that night. So, um, but again, like I said, the overall, I mean – we just had some girls that really figured out like how to create scramble situations and were comfortable in that scramble situation and more times than not in those specific duels came out on top. Now, again, as we mentioned, it's pretty obvious that, the, and we talked about this before, the CIML is a little bit behind the ball with some of the teams in the rest of the state. You mm -hmm. know I mean, you look at Valley who finished ahead of us, well, they had two place winners, McMaster at 15 and obviously Bishong at 35. And you get Southeast Polk who has the two horses, right, Purcelli and Slade, they're going to score a ton of points for them. Um, so, they, you know, they fared well in that tournament above us. But, um, you know, overall, if you look at, you know, 14 girls, the CIML is behind. And that's something I think every coach in that, in that league is committed to getting better in the offseason and, you know, closing that gap between us and, and the rest of the teams in the state. So um, it'll be interesting to see next year. Um, my gut tells me there'll be more than one class, um, which any way you look at it, it's going to benefit us because if you look at those, you know, look at the top 20 teams, I mean, half are real small right. and half are kind of our size. So right there, I mean, that's probably to our advantage, you know, honestly, until we get things even out in the, in the central Iowa. So sure. as far as girls wrestling goes. Well, yeah, then your team uh, placed second in the regional meet on January 27th at the Iowa Event Center, and you qualified eight wrestlers for state, and that was obviously another great day for the program. You know, going into it, I mean, did you ever imagine you could have eight state qualifiers? You know, um, honestly, uh, the disappointing side is of that, if there is a disappointing side of walking out with eight state qualifiers, don't get me wrong, I'm very happy with that. Um, on paper, we had 10 girls seated in the top 10, or excuse me, top four. Mm -hmm. So as you're going in, I mean, if you wrestled to your seed, you got 10 state qualifiers, which would tie Decora for the most in the state, you know, going into the state tournament. Now, um, with those four, we had, unfortunately, uh, we had, well, let's start with the fortunate side. Trudy Hag, our 120-pounder, was seated sixth and finished third. Mm -hmm. She had a great tournament, obviously a state qualifier. And then... Um, I mean, Mallory McGuire, or no, Nora would have been seated fifth in that tournament, right here across from us and finished fourth and uh, was a state qualifier. So we had two that were seated outside of the 10, and then we had four that were seated inside that 10 that didn't get out. Now, one of which, um, you know, obviously our heavyweight and our Josie Bishop, who wrestled heavyweight, Melanie Martinez, who was at 190, they kind of flip-flopped those last couple weeks mm -hmm. of the season. And unfortunately, I think that kind of messed with the mojo, if you will. Um, and, you know, just trying to navigate different weight classes. You know, Josie being uh, extremely underweight at, at 235. And Melanie, you know, cutting down some weight. Had to lose about 10, 12 pounds that last week to get down to 190. And then you're used to wrestling, you know, 235-pounders, heavyweight um, weight class. Right. And, you know... Try not to use that term too much, but it's just different wrestling at that weight compared to 190. And sure. so that was an adjustment. Unfortunately, that didn't work out for those two, but they're both back. Melanie will be a senior next year and Jill will be a junior, so we're excited about them returning. Um, Avery Graham was the number two seed. Uh, super proud of her and her, you know, um, ability to overcome just a tough season uh, physically. 
Um, she'd kind of beaten up a little bit. She got bad knees, bad shoulders, um, sat out about five weeks leading up to the regional tournament, actually the CIML, um, then came back for the CIML and pinned her way through that tournament. Um, but obviously when you get to the 25 team regional, it's just a little bit more difficult and things didn't turn out in her favor that day. So that's unfortunate, but, um, you know, we were thankful for everything she gave us as a senior and wish her the best in whatever she chooses to do in the future. So, um, and then there's, oh, and then unfortunately, yeah, Lauren Heimer at 170 would have been the other one who was seated in the top four and hers was just an injury thing. I mean, there's no doubt in my mind if she was healthy and able to come back and uh, wrestle on the backside, but she got banged up in the semifinals and just uh, wasn't able to go any longer. And that was unfortunate because she bit, pretty much steps out on the mat. I have full confidence and her coming out with a couple wins there and finishing the top four. And, you know, now we're up to nine state qualifiers, at state tournament. So, you know, those things happen, though, you sure. know, in oh, every yeah. sport, let alone, you know, uh, a sport as brutal as wrestling. When you got to go out there, I mean, sitting right across from us a week later, she's still got a black eye. So, yep. <laughs> you know, it's a very physically demanding sport and uh, couldn't be more proud of our girls for just, uh, you know, the way they were able to figure out navigating through those tough tournaments. I mean, there's, there's, in my opinion, obviously, there's, there's nothing like the sport of wrestling where you have to manage the mental part of it, the nutrition part of it, the getting beat up part of it. Um, and then, you know, boom, you're wrestling in a semifinal or a quarterfinal like Dana and everything's going great and you're on top of the world and all of a sudden you get your butt handed to you and, and then you got to figure out a way to mentally turn around and get ready to compete and wrestle and win some matches on the backside. And, uh, you know, we did that in some cases, which we're super proud of. And, and we all did it at districts, right? Um, it's a little bit different monster at the state tournament, but right. um, you were talking about regional. So I keep saying districts. Sorry, that's the boy coach in me. Yeah, that's okay. The, the regional <laughs> tournament, like, just proud of watching our girls navigate through wrestling four, five, six matches, tough matches in that one day. Well, yeah, then at the state meet, you guys had kind of a mixed bag of results as well, but you did have some highlights. Uh, the biggest highlight, of course, was the performance of Dana Cleveland. Uh, she was seated fourth at 135 pounds, and she matched her seat with a fourth-place finish uh, to become the first-place winner in program history. And I know she had a tough loss in, in Thursday's quarter, quarterfinals, which you mentioned, uh, but she rebounded to win her next three matches on Friday to, to get to that third-place match. So, yeah, you, you had to be awfully proud of her the way she bounced back. Yeah, I mean, she's just, she's misconsistent, right? Like, no matter what's going on in her world, you know, maybe this, maybe that, but when it comes to her responsibilities and what she needs to get done, she's very, like I said, consistent. She's just to the point, focused, um, all business, and, you know, where a lot of people may show that expression and, and show that hurt from losing in the quarterfinals, I think she just took it in stride and said, okay, you know, I was here last year. I think she lost the first round of that tournament last year and won something like six matches in a row to get on the podium. And so that was no, I mean, she had been there before, right? And that's the importance of, you know, navigating through those tournaments in the past. Like, hey, I've been here. I can do this. And I think that worked in her favor this year. Well, she finished the season with a 40-6 and six record, and she'll be back uh, next year along with most of the other state qualifiers. Uh, the only senior among your eight state qualifiers uh, who will graduate is Gia Blazer, and she finished the season with a 32-14 and 14 mark at 140 pounds. And I know you didn't have a lot of seniors on the team, but the ones that you did have, like Gia and Avery Grimm that you talked about earlier, you know, they, they were really good leaders for the team, weren't they? Yeah, I mean, they're, they're forever going to be etched as, like, the pioneers of, of the Ankeny girls wrestling team, right? First graduating class. I mean, Gia Blazer, first senior to qualify. Um, you know, Avery was kind of just our team leader uh, at the start of the season, kind of started with warm-ups. And, again, as we mentioned, obviously, 
for her, things didn't turn out the way she wanted. And, um, you know, like she missed five weeks of the season. And that's difficult to navigate coming back from. But, yeah, those two, um, obviously we have uh, Shay Adams and Maddie Sieber, who are uh, two seniors, were um, the great attitudes, right? Kind of first-year wrestlers, just along for the ride. Both of them started out the season kind of injured um, and then, you know, kind of turned it on at the end um, and, and wrestled really well and actually um, probably were in the mix to kind of you know, maybe cause some some mix up in our varsity lineup, but both of them just kind of said, I'm happy, you know, I had a great season and those have been the people that have been there and just kind of, you know, we're, we're happy with what they did. So, I mean, to me, that showed a lot of selflessness. Oh yeah. Um, so I, you know, the, those girls, I, I have a lot of respect for. Um, then you have uh, Ava Birchmeyer who wrestled 155 for us um, at regionals. She was extremely underweight. I think she weighed in at like 140. She had to have been over 42. She must have been like 42.1, maybe even 42.3, wrestled up at 55. Also another one that um, struggled with injuries this year, um, missed a lot. But, you know, when it came time to compete, we knew that we could count on her, and we're very grateful to have her you know, in our lineup, she was the only one pretty much when Mallory McGuire decided to go down to 45, she was pretty much just weight-wise our only option of someone that we could even qualify for that weight class, right? Mm -hmm. Because to wrestle up to 55, you have to weigh at least in at 45, and she was like right around 42.3, and, you know, with the two-pound allowance, technically the 42 makes her a 40-pounder. So we had to kind of navigate that stuff. Um, it's a very... Happy with her. And then I'm missing one other senior on here. I'm going to have to think real quick. Oh, my gosh, this is embarrassing. Um, Do you know, Laura? That's all right. <laughs> oh, Sophie Leo, who... Oh, sure. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, of course. Well, she's the one, unfortunately, of all that missed most of the season. Um, she wrestled for us. She was our 235-pounder uh, to start the year, uh, wrestled in that first Valley duel, and then we took her to the Donnybrook, and that was like second week of the season and she tore her ACL and had season ending surgery on the 27th. So she was out a lot. Um, and basically, I mean, she got two weeks of a season and was done. So that was very unfortunate for her. But again, um, you know, she's been a part of, you know, she had brothers that wrestled at Ankeny or a brother mm -hmm. that wrestled at Ankeny Centennial is now wrestling in college still. They're a wrestling family. Um, she was around, she was helpful when she came back. Um, Again, just another one that regardless, like she's a Donnybrook state place winner the rest of her life. Like, excuse me, Donnybrook place winner mm -hmm. the rest of her life. No, like, no one can ever take that from her, right? She's on the podium. She's got a medal. Um, and those are very, like, right now our girls probably don't look at those and understand the significance of those. But someday she'll be able to take a, you know, a, a, a podium picture that Jackie Frisk was able to put together for us because she actually missed the podium because she had a, she was in the hospital. Oh, sure, yeah. And so Jackie kind of, um, you know, edited a, a, a one with her in it, and it actually looks really good. Um, but, you know, someday she'll be able to show that to her grandkids and be like, you know, who knows, 20, 30 years from now, Donnybrook can be huge, right? Yeah. A huge girls' event, and for her to be able to say, look, there's me on the podium, like, those are things that, you know, again, we talked about, um, you know, I talked with Coach Taryn, this maybe isn't the answer to your question, but you're talking about legacy, right, and and doing things, and he was saying, you know, gosh, Dana's only going to get two years. It's really going to impact some of her um, career records that she's going to hold. And my response was, 
you know, because this one's coming right behind, knocking on our door. Like, right. anything Dana's going to do, this one's going to do as far as right. career stuff, wins, and, you know, things happen. And obviously, Elisa's there, too, but she's out a year as well. But this one gets four years and had, our mo- you know, a lot of wins this year and did everything great. But it's like I, I took a step back from, you know, career records are great. But at the end of the day, look at Dana. She's the first ever state place winner for the Ankeny Girls Rest Sanctioned Wrestling Program. And regardless of who comes along and, you know, state champ this, state champ that, whatever it may be, no one will ever be able to take that away from right. those girls that were state qualifiers or, you know, Dana, who's the first state place winner, or Gia, the first senior, or first CIML champions. Like, those things are, you know, etched in stone forever. No one will ever be able to take that away from them. So we're super proud of that. Well, let's talk about uh, some of your other qualifiers. Uh, sophomore Lisa Engebretson was a regional champion along with Dana, and she was uh, seated fifth going into the state uh, meet at 115 pounds. She also won her first-round match before losing her next two, and she finished with a 30-7 and seven record. I know the tournament didn't end the way she wanted it to, but you've got to be, believe that she's still got a bright future ahead of her. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> we love Elise. I mean, Elise is, you know, I talk about Dana, um, you know, and just everything a coach could ask for. She's the same thing. Like, a lot of these girls are the same thing. Um, Elise is just tough, man. She's just a tough girl that cut some weight for us and, you know, always, you know, you could never tell, always had a positive attitude, always was like, yes, coach, you know, anything you ask, very coachable. Um, Hey, I need you to weigh in at this weight, wrestle up, like no questions asked, just did it. Um, I think, you know, I, I, I want to be very careful with what I say about her tournament because I, I, I mean, we love Elise Engelbrecht and don't get me wrong. But on the flip side, and, and I had this conversation with her as well after I kind of gave you some notes, like for me to tell her I, we're not disappointed is just doing her a disservice, right? Like she was a five seed, and I'm not saying I'm disappointed in her. We're disappointed in the outcome, and we can be disappointed together, right? Sure. Like, um, and that's okay to say. Um, but, man, the future for her is extremely bright. I mean, she had some really big wins this year for us, and – um, got better. We need to find some more offense out of her, um, and we'll work on that. But, you know, the fact that we have her back for two more seasons and, um, you know, her other counterpart, too, from North Park, North Park, yeah. North Polk, Emma Daggett, too. Like, the two of them were super excited about what they're going to bring for our program in the future. You also had a freshman who was sitting here with us, uh, Nora Bacchus, who also had some success at the tournament at 110 pounds. Uh, after losing a close match in the first round, she won her next two matches in the consolation bracket, including one over the number five seed before losing in her final match on Thursday. You know, but she certainly wrestled above her seed, didn't she? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, Nora just, again, another one. Nora's very athletic. You know, she's a very good, you know, uh, volleyball player from what I hear and not a bad softball player. And she kind of just kind of a, kind of our uh, team jokester, if you will. Kind of keeps everything light for us. Um, you know, she's just fun to have around, right? And the fact that she picked up things and, and won a ton of matches for us and won some big duels is just a bonus, right? Like, she's a great human being. She's fun to be around, got a great personality. Oh, and then the bonus is she's pretty darn good on the mat. Um, my favorite uh, Nora story was after she kind of, you know, she wasn't seated. Her bracket like, honestly, we've talked, man, she's leading our team wins. She's leading our team wins. And we look at it on paper, and it's like, oh, gosh. I mean, I can tell her this now. Like, 
I don't know if she can get through. Like, that's a brutal mm-hmm. bracket. And I know her dad knew. I don't know how much she knew, but I know her dad knew what the bracket was. Um, and, and she did it. And she got through, and she won some big couple. She won a huge first-round match that kind of set the pace for our entire team that day over Dallas and a Grimes girl in quadruple overtime in the rideout. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, just her being mentally ready to start that day. I mean, generally, traditionally, if you think about it, if you don't get a good warm-up in, that first match can get a lot of good wrestlers. And, you know, that was one we worried about, like, you know, gosh, we got that bind of the four or five seed, and it's like, holy smokes. Um, and we came out on top, and that, could, like I said, just kind of set the tone for us for that day. So, you know, being a freshman, you know, she's the one in the mix that probably by the time she gets done here, she's going to own a lot of career records, you know, just perfect timing. And But, I mean, honestly, like, what she's shown us, like, who knows who will be able to come in and be that consistent for four straight years. I mean, you look at some of the girls we have coming in that aren't aren't too bad middle school wrestlers, but where are they going to fit in our lineup? We got everybody back except for two mm-hmm. in our varsity lineup, you know. Um, so how are they going to start chasing those career goals when they can't get into the varsity lineup, you know, right, for a couple right. of years? So, um, you know, Nora's got a huge, bright future ahead of her, and we're excited to have her. Well, overall, your team went 9-16 and 16 in the tournament. Uh, junior Ella Haran had your team's other victory in a first-round consolation match at 105, where she recorded a pin over a higher seat as well. And I know many of your qualifiers ran into some tough opponents at State, you know, but that's going to happen at State. Do you think a lot of your team's outcomes were the result of, you know, maybe just the result of experience or lack of it? I mean, I, I want to say that, but, you know, <laughs> that's the easy thing to say. But honestly, I mean, look at Cedar Falls and some other teams there, and, I, I've you know, I've gone through – everybody's, you know, all top 10 teams and what they lose and what they bring back. And there's, I mean, just, there's a lot of young, good girls out there that are kind of new to the sport. I mean, bottom line is, you know, athleticism helps, right? You know, there's a lot of young athlete girls out there that never had a chance to shine in wrestling. And now we're, you know, now they are. And then you add factors like mental toughness, right? Like, um, you just never know what can happen, but there there are a lot of, you know, young, good, new wrestlers. So, um, you know, maybe, yeah, the answer is yes for us, but at the end of the day, I mean, I was very impressed with the quality of that tournament, right? Like, you know, we had, uh, I think our, our highest seed outside of, were you 22nd? 22nd? I think so, yeah. 22nd was our highest seed. So if you do the math on that, unless you're seeded in the top 16, you aren't supposed to win a match. Right. You know? So two of those six that were seated 22nd or lower won a match, one, one, two, mm-hmm. and, and four went on four, which, you know, I'll, I'll take, I'll take the blame for that. That's on, that's on us. That's on me. That's on our coaching staff. Like, you know, there was, you know, I joked, I didn't joke. It's not a joking matter, but you know, with the boys, a lot of connections, everyone's a phone call, a text away from figuring this out. Like the girls and all being in one class and different sides of the States, like it was very hard to kind of do research on who you were wrestling and then throw eight in the mix. Now you're talking about 16 potential opponents to start the tournament with to do research on. It was just overwhelming, right? Oh, so, yeah. Um, you know, but again, that's handle hard better, right? Like if that's hard for me, maybe I stay up later and do that, you know, and that's something uh, we need to do a better job at in the future, you know, prep for that. But it was like, man, we just we just don't know. You know, you never know what you're getting into. And, and, and really my philosophy as a coach is, control what I can control, right? Like I can watch all the video I want on 
Joe Schmo out there, but who knows how that's going to play out, right? Right. And what he's been working on. So, but I do know what I've been working on, and I know what positions I'm good in, and that's kind of our focus as a team. But, you know, to go there and, you know, think, hope that we were going to win four, you know, on uh, of those ones that, that weren't, didn't win four, didn't win one of those four, like, now I'm looking at, okay, why didn't we? You know, and that's just kind of being a, a critical coach. So, we uh, we need to, as a coaching staff, do a little bit better job in that department, and I'll take that responsibility. So, Well, you're talking about the seeds, and I know nine of the 14 individual, individual champions were the top seeds, and no seed lower than third won a title. And I heard some people speculate that the fact that the top seeds you know, uh, dominated showed that there is a gap in experience between those top wrestlers and some of the other ones, and that probably is true. And even though that gap in experience may narrow in the future, you know, that doesn't ne- necessarily mean that some of the lower seeds are going to win titles in the future, because usually, I mean... The, 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 the wrestlers that are the top seeds are the top seeds for a reason, right? Right. And yeah, well, and you say that and in the, there's a lot of complaining about the seeding and how it worked this year. It's a point system, just like the boys. They said it was just like the boys, but it's not quite like the boys as far as, um, uh, point, like two points versus one point. Everything was just like a point. Like the way it goes when I, when I go into that tournament, I get, you know, rated mm-hmm. against each wrestler in that tournament. And if I have a, um, a head-to-head win, that's a point. I win. You know, that's a point for me, and then I move on to the next one, and either one person gets the point or not. And then at the end, whoever has the most points, number one seed. So, obviously, you know, with seeds, everyone wants to, oh, my seed's this, or my seed's that, or my prediction's like, well, yeah, but if you're the number one seed, then in theory, you get the the best, you know, route to the, to the championship. So, um, I will say there were a number of upsets in the tournament. You know, mm-hmm. it may have played out, again, like you said, it may have played out on the backside. But on the front side of the tournament, I mean, there, there was a number of upsets. You know, maybe not obviously, you know, the top dogs, but um, there was definitely a point where there was a number of upsets. So, you know, to answer your question, like the seeds and how that works, like, or how that plays out, I mean, the bottom line is the tournament's over now. So the seeds will all be different next year. Who wants to get better in June, July, and August, you know, and who's happy with where they're at? You know, and those things can really um, make a difference, obviously, and as you know, and, you know, who's putting work in when people aren't watching, when the lights aren't on? Well, looking ahead to next year, you mentioned that maybe there might be another class next year. So do you think that's one of the changes that the girls' union might make? I mean, from what I understand, I think it's a change they're not, not going to be able to make. Um, and then, you know, you run into an issue like with the state tournament, two day tournament, first day sold out, a lot of grandparents, a lot of people very upset, like they're going to have to make some changes. And I don't know what the contract was. There's, you know, there's word, it was a two, two year contract, five year contract, you know, with, with extreme arena. Um, there's three days to play with. The problem is the boys state tournament duels is on Saturday, um, you know, I talked to some coaches around advisory committees, and it's not – they don't think they can ask the girls to miss three days of school for a state tournament, you know. So how that's going to look or what that's going to turn into, I don't know. But like I said, I feel pretty confident there will be at least two classes next year. Um, and then, you know, as far as moving to a – I don't know how you could run that tournament in two days with two classes – and avoid the, you know, the crowding, right. overcrowding that they had with, cause you have to go to separate sessions, right? Like one, a session, a two, a session. Right. And so then they're going to have to go to three days and what that looks like. I don't know. They got a lot of decisions to make, but regardless of what they make, like 
there were a lot of upset coaches and, you know, this and that with how it was being run and this and that. But at the end of the day, like, if you just take a step back and say, hey, guys, we're, we're wrestling. We get a chance to win a state title. Like, seeds will play themselves out. You know, you, no matter what they do for seeding and this and that, like, everyone's going to complain. So, you know, someone's going to complain. It didn't go in their favor. At the end of the day, control what you can control. Go wrestle and see what happens. And and we're very fortunate for the Iowa Girls Athletic Union to, you know, give us this opportunity. And Aaron Kirtley and Gene Berger and all the rest of those crew, like, very grateful for the opportunity. Well, regardless of how they do it, uh, this will be my last question for you. Uh, but you mentioned all the girls you have coming back next year. I mean, you got to be excited about the potential for next year's team. We are very excited. Um, again, the success of next year is going to lie on what we're going to do over the next two to three months, you know, with the freestyle season coming up and, you know, wrestling opportunities. And, you know, we have a two-time world silver medalist working with our girls and Allie Reagan. Um, you know, we got a team camp plan for Nebraska in June. Um, we've already, we're already talking to some girls today about a potential dual meet, uh, teaming up with some CIML teams to get some matches in. There's a whole circuit of freestyle tournaments that, that we're going to put out a schedule and try to get some girls to, um, you know, so those are big, but yeah, I mean, the potential for next year is, is there. Um, we're hopeful, you know, you talk about changes. We at this point in time are a much better dual team than we are a tournament team. So we would be really excited about a potential dual team state tournament, which I think we're right in the mix of being a top eight team. If not, you know, somewhere in there, um, having an opportunity to qualify for that and wrestle at the state duels would be something really cool. Oh, sure. You know? All right, Coach. Well, hey, appreciate uh, your time tonight and, and throughout the season. Uh, thanks a lot, and uh, we'll talk to you again. Well, soon. before I leave, yeah. if I could just say thank you, a couple of thank yous. I mean, this will oh, probably sure. be yeah. our, our last whatever yeah. for a while. So, I mean, just, just to our administration, to the, to the community of Ankeny for the support was just amazing. And, you know, coming out here, I'm not an Ankeny guy. Um, thank you to you for all you do. I mean, the, the articles and the stuff that you wrote – you know, we're going to be put together in a booklet, and these girls are going to keep take them with them for the rest of their lives. And, um, you know, I'm not an Ankeny guy, but like I said, uh, you know, the work that you do for us, and, and I, you know, I spent hours reading your football teams, and I'm not even an Ankeny guy. Yeah, so I can, imagine, I can imagine how excited the Ankeny people were about that. And then, you know, lastly, and most importantly, I'm probably going to cry as I say this, but obviously our girls, you know, putting up with me for two and a half months isn't always the easiest. You know, being on them and having high expectations, that was something they really needed to adjust to. Previous to this, wrestling was just kind of fun, and they just did it. Now it's like, oh, okay, there's expectations, and he has, you know, he needs us to do this, he needs to do that, and that can be um, very overwhelming. So thanks to our girls. But then lastly, you know, our coaching staff, and we didn't mention anything about this a few weeks ago, but our coaching staff was uh, voted uh, district coaches of the year for uh, Central Girls team, and we didn't really say anything about it because it's not about us. But, you know, to Michael Terran, uh, Olivia Willers, and Michael Carlson, thank you. Uh, for everything you gave us this year, and uh, I'll be ever, forever grateful for those three people. So You bet. Well, congratulations on that honor. Well-deserved. All right, my next guest is a freshman on the Ankeny Girls squad, and she was one of the team's eight state qualifiers. She finished the season with a 38-10 and 10 record at 110 pounds. She is Nora Bacchus. Nora, thanks for joining me. How are you doing? Good. How are you? I'm doing good. Well, congratulations on an outstanding season. You know, were you happy with the way that you wrestled this year? Yeah, I... Definitely wasn't expecting that going into this. I was just going to give it a shot and 
hopefully not too, too bad. Well, coming into the season, Nora, you know, had you ever wrestled before or was the sport completely new to you? I had no idea what I was doing the first day. Like, didn't even really know what a pin was. Like, it was just for fun. My, I've had people in my family wrestle. I just never really got into it. Well, Coach mentioned that you also play softball and volleyball. So, so what inspired you then to, to get into wrestling? Well, my volleyball coach, Coach Willers, was very, like, on us all season. Like, wanted all of us to wrestle and basically told me she didn't think I would do it, and I just told her I would and tried it out. Well, we talked with Coach about your team's opening duels at Dallas Center Grimes back in November, and I think you got pinned in your first match of the season, but it didn't come until midway through the third period. You know, is that right? Was that your first match? Yeah. I definitely was not, didn't know what I was doing at all. So was that kind of a learning experience for you? Yeah. Well, you placed uh, seventh in the Dan Gable Donnybrook in early December, and then about a week later, you went a perfect 5-0 and with two falls at the Ankeny Centennial Duels. You know, do you think that, think that was kind of a turning point for you where you realized that you had a chance to be pretty successful, you know, this year if you just kept with it? Yeah, I think I realized that if I really did want to do this, I had to put in the work and, like, I could really do something with it. Were you, were you a little surprised maybe at the amount of work that it takes, you know, to be successful in this sport? Yeah, I definitely wasn't used to, like, a individual sport like I've always done team sports and never had it like all on me like however well I do it's not on anyone else it's on me do you like having that pressure though of having all that on you yeah I like having like it's in my control like there's nothing anyone else can do to make me do worse or better well you won a title at the Raccoon River Northwest tournament on December 17th and then later won a conference title as well so going into the regional tournament were, were you pretty confident that you qualify for state coach mentioned that you weren't one of the top four seeds so how confident were you I didn't really know who was in our tournament. Like, I didn't really want to look at that, but I knew it was going to be hard. I knew there was a lot of good people at our weight in my tournament. I just didn't know who. Well, you accomplished your goal with a fourth-place finish, allowing you to advance to state. So then going into the state tournament, uh, you know, last week, what kind of expectations did you have? You, you were seated 22nd among the 32 qualifiers in your bracket, so obviously, you know, you, you weren't expe expected to place, right? Yeah, I, my goal was to make it to the second session which was you just had to win one match, and I won two, so that was good. Well, when I showed up at the tournament on Thursday, I couldn't believe the size of the crowd. It ended up being a sellout, and I'm sure there were some people who you know, couldn't get in. What did you think when you came out for your first match and saw all those people? Was it kind of intimidating? It was, it was definitely a lot, but I just feel like when I wrestle, I don't really pay attention to the other people. It's just kind of I'm there to wrestle, and that's it. Well, in the opening round, you dropped a 7-5 to five decision to the number 11 seed, Jocelyn Hegman of South Winnishek, South Winnishek, I believe. So even though you lost, it was a close match. Did you gain some confidence from that match? A little bit. I wasn't feeling too good going into that. I was a little sick, but I just had to work through that, so that was hard. Well, then in your next match, you pinned Alyssa Sanchez at West Liberty in 3 minutes 50 seconds. You know, they had to feel good to get a pin for your first state tournament victory, huh? Yeah, it felt really good. Do you remember what kind of a move it was that you executed to get the fall? I was there, but I can't remember what it was. I have no idea. <laughs> Just kind of a scramble, maybe? Yeah. Well, then in your next consolation match, you posted a 3-1 to one decision over Hope Chiatello of Cedar Falls, who was the number five seed. Did, did you even realize that she was the number five seed when you beat her? No. I knew they were good because just Cedar Falls was a really good, a lot of good wrestlers. But afterward, I was really happy to find that out. Well, what was the key to winning that match? There obviously wasn't a lot of takedowns. Yeah, I feel like it was just like really having good defense, because she had quite a few good shots and just sticking to what I knew. 
We then lost uh, your final match to Riley Hartman of Old Wine. Uh, so like I said earlier, you finished the season with a 38-10 record. You know, would you have ever imagined at the beginning of the season that you'd win almost 40 matches? No, I had no idea. My, me and my dad talked before the season started and just said, like, it would be good to have a winning record. That was my goal. Well, I assume you were there then on Friday to watch uh, Dana's matches. What did you think of her performance throughout the day? It was really good to see her come back after losing that match and get all the way back to third. Well, now, are you, are you planning to wrestle a lot in the offseason, or are you going to be playing your other sports? I do have softball and volleyball, but I'm going to, like, really work to get some offseason in and try to wrestle some freestyle tournaments. And Well, in what areas do you think you need to make the most improvement? Definitely, like, my offense, like, takedowns and, like, taking shots. Do you like, uh, as far as the wrestling positions go, do you, do you like riding other opponents? I mean, do you, do you find it hard to get out sometimes? Or Yeah, I don't like being on top. I like being on bottom and just getting out. Like, I feel like it's much easier because I know exactly what my goal is, and it's just to get out. Mm -hmm. Well, you certainly had a successful season, so congratulations on your success, Nora, and thanks a lot for coming in tonight. Thank you. You bet. All right, well, my final guest is here now, and we have a fire alarm going out here, but we're just going to go right on through this, so we're not going to worry about that. So uh, she's a realtor at Coldwell Banker. She's been on the podcast before. She's Rhonda Dix. Rhonda, thanks for joining me. How are you doing? I'm great. Thanks, Dan. Hey, you bet. Beautiful today today, huh? Gorgeous day. <laughs> sure feels like spring out there. Well, I remember the last time you were here, you were just getting ready to take a trip to Jamaica. So how, how'd that go? It was wonderful. It was wonderful. Yep. Um, definitely an experience, a first-time experience for me, but... Hey, I'm looking forward to warmer temperatures. Even spring in Iowa is not too bad. What part of Jamaica were you in? I can't remember. Um, we were at um, the Secrets um, Montego Bay is okay. where we were at. So, like I said, a, a, a beautiful, beautiful experience. Yeah, I'll bet. I, I've been there several times, so I know. Uh, Let's talk some real estate. Uh, you mentioned the nice weather today. Uh, is that sparking some interest from some people looking at houses? It certainly is. Um, believe it or not, um, we're starting to see an uptick in buyers coming out of hibernation. I think people have been tired of the cold and open house traffic's there. I think um, some of that confidence is coming back. Um, sellers are in great equity positions still, and you know we still have a shortage of inventory in the market. So it's a great time for sellers to consider bringing their homes out, getting some great attention. And, you know, rates are starting to um, come around as well. So that's good. Yeah, I heard they've been going down recently, haven't they? They certainly have. I know um, next Tuesday, Valentine's Day, um, the um, Consumer Pricing Index is supposed to come out, which is, you know, a great indicator of inflation. Um, mortgage rates tend to follow um, that, that pricing index, too. So... Um, basically, that's an indicator of, you know, the prices that people are paying for um, goods and services over time. So as we start to see, you know, inflation get more in check and, and calm down a little bit, rates tend to follow that. So we've got a lot of buyers sitting, waiting patiently. Um, they've been pre-approved with their lenders, waiting to lock in on, you know, a good interest rate. All right. Do you have any specific properties you want to plug uh, tonight? Yeah, we've got we've got a couple um, market homes that we're excited about for MJ Properties. We've got um, two developments. We're trying to finish out our Prairie Trail um, stake down there. We've got five home sites still available, but um, we're getting ready to um, um, unveil, I guess, um, some new market homes come March 1st. We're working on pricing for those, but we do have a market home down there. Um, we've got a cute colonial ranch. Um, it's a two-car garage, but it's about 1,600 square feet with um, a finished basement, so a total of about 2,400 square feet. 
Uh, again, walkable to the district and everything that has to offer down there. It's been super popular. Um, really just trying to close that out and focus on um, Centennial Estates. That's kind of our, our next um, development. We've got three plots going out there right now, several great home sites. Um, we've got a market home as well out there right now. That's a larger ranch at 3,200 square feet combined both levels um, that backs up to um, a wetlands area so no neighbors behind. Um, both of our market homes are at drywall stage, so we're looking about 90 days out from completion oh, on okay. those. Anything from 420000 up to 600000 right now between those two properties. All right. Well, you mentioned earlier the, the amount of inventory that's available, and I realized that there might be a certain amount of homes that are in progress of being built. But like at any given time, do you always know like how many homes are on the market and like how many are available for sale like right now? You know, we, we, we're still um, a normal market. Um, like I said, we're still battling to get back to um, normal numbers, and, and right now we're still a shortage. So, I mean, six months of inventory would be great. That's considered a normal market. Um, we're starting to see, you know, three and four months of inventory on the market for people to pick from. Um, but again, based on um, price points, even here this last weekend, you know, we, we meet each week and talk about, you know, the track we're seeing and, and sales and all of that. And, and several agents have still been competing multiple offers on properties right here in Ankeny um, just, to, just to get in on something. All right. Well, if anybody's interested in taking a look at the, the properties that you were talking about, what's the best way for them to get a hold of you? They can certainly reach out to me here at Coldwell Banker. Um, they can reach me on my cell phone, that number, 515-975-3735, or you can find me um, at rhonda.dix, D-I-X, at coldwellbankerdsm.com. All right, Rhonda. Well, thanks a lot for coming in again. Appreciate it. All right. It. Thanks, Dan. You bet. All right. You've been listening to the Yankee Fanatic Weekly Podcast, sponsored by Coldwell Banker Mid-America. At Coldwell Banker, you're not one of many clients, you're our most important client. We listen to your needs to develop long-lasting relationships and provide the best services, professional support, and resources in the industry. We're constantly exploring new and innovative ways to elevate your experience and exceed your expectations. Our network of resources allows us to be the number one Coldwell Banker franchise affiliate in Iowa, guiding you home for over 30 years. I want to thank my guests again for coming in tonight. We had Ankeny Girls wrestling coach Dustin Rowland and one of his state qualifiers, Nora Bacchus, we also had Rhonda Dix from Coldwell Banker. Appreciate the time from all of those folks. And come back next week for another edition of the Ankeny Fanatic Weekly Podcast.